turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and let me just do a little quick update. You know, in our study on resident God that we've been doing, it's, it's our opportunity to recognize and to know who this resident God is. And what does that mean, that God is the resident God? It means that he is not a distant God. Can you say amen to that? It means that he's not an unreachable God. It means that he's not far off somewhere, someplace, and nobody knows how to find him. He is not a, but the resident God. We've been learning of, of, of God's intentional, I want you to get these terms, God's intentional and progressive revelation of himself. We are living in such a special time. We could have been born centuries ago, millennia ago, but, but we live in a very special moment where God's intentional and progressive revelation of himself has reached a high point. Remember in the Old Testament, God revealed himself and God showed himself to his people Israel. But in the Old Testament, this mighty God who said, I want to dwell near my people still stayed behind a curtain, behind a veil. He was near them. But he was in the holy of holies. He was, he, he was God everywhere, but his manifested presence was behind a veil. And then we fast forward to the gospels and Jesus came, born of woman, a God clothed in our flesh. Jesus putting on flesh and blood. And now God upped the revelation of himself. Not just God hiding invisibly behind a veil that no one could see and access, but now God walked right into our lives. And, and, and clothed himself in our flesh. And, and we, we had a new revelation of God. Uh, now we could see God. What was God like? Well, what did Jesus do? That's what God would do. How does God think? Well, what did Jesus say? How did he react to sinners? How did he react to the woman caught in the act of adultery? He said, I, I forgive you, but go and sin no more. How many are thankful God forgives us? How many are thankful God forgives you of whatever you've done? How many are thankful the cross is greater than your greatest failure today? And that's our God. But he doesn't stop at forgiveness. He says, I forgive you, but I'm going to change your life too. Aren't you thankful for that? Hey, listen, the good news is we don't have to come to church every week and get saved all over again. Did anybody ever grow up in church like that? Come on, tell the truth. You got saved every revival. You got saved every Sunday because you didn't understand how God works in your life. And so now we find not only the God that forgives us, but the God who changes us. And so Jesus walked on this earth for 33 years. And those last three years, we, his ministry became public. And we read about him in the Gospels. And, and we see the greatness and the kindness of God. And that revelation went to another level of a resident God. Now, not a God behind a veil, but a God walking and living among us. But God wasn't through yet. Because after Jesus died on the cross and three days later was raised from the grave, the revelation of God became a whole, uh, entered a whole new level. For you see then what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's, and, and he's been with you, now he's going to be in you. And isn't it amazing that God so created salvation and forgiveness and grace and mercy that when you and I as sinners repent of our sin and accept Jesus as our Savior, God looks at us as if we are righteous. In Christ, he sees us like we'd never sinned before. Isn't that an amazing thing? And we're so accepted, not because of who we are, not because of our works, but because of Christ. We are so accepted before God that God moved inside of us. 
So now this resident God, think of this, has gone from the God behind the veil in the Holy of Holies to the God who put on our flesh and walked around us to the God who now lives inside of us. What an amazing God. This resident God. That's what we're learning. This God who is resident. This God who is present. See, see, God doesn't want to just come visit you. God doesn't just want visitation rights. He doesn't want just visitation. God wants habitation in your life. Come on, how many of you are thankful for that? That he dwells and lives within us. The God of the universe has taken up residence in us because of Jesus Christ. Now, now think of this. We know that God is always present, isn't he? He's always present. He's God. He's always present. But there's something about this resident God. See, see, God is always present. I want you to think of this, but we're not always aware of that. He's omni. He's present, but we're not always aware of that. And, and think of this. If a person is not a Christian, the Bible says when we're not born again, before we're born again, uh, the Holy Spirit is not dwelling in us. We're spiritually dead. And the Bible says that the carnal-minded man, the man or woman we were before we were saved, before the Holy Spirit moved in us, before we were born again, we don't even comprehend the things of God. He's all around us. He's working. He's moving. He's God. But we don't even know it. How many of you ever went to church before you got saved? Anybody ever go to church? I was going to ask how many of you are here in church and not saved yet. That's okay. I'll do it in a minute. Okay. I remember going to church with my mom and dad. Uh, before I was saved, and them talking about what a great service, you know, what a great day, and wasn't that awesome? And, and I remember thinking, what are they talking about? I mean, I'm just thinking that I, I, I was in church, you know, for an hour and a half. I thought it was three days. You know, what, what's the deal? What, what's going on? I, I missed it. See, see, when 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 you're not born again, when 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 the Holy Spirit's not living in your life, we, you really have no way to access the presence of God. To become aware of the presence of God. Are you with me? He's God. He's everywhere all the time. But we're often unaware of that. Here's what I want you to see. What I want you to see today is this God who resides in his people now. That you're the communication point from God to a world that's not even aware that he exists. You're the one. You're the point. You're the place. You're the, you're the, the open door for God because he's residing in you. Now you're the way that the world becomes aware that there's God. God's present everywhere, but we're just not always aware of it. See, it's God. I, I'm probably giving you too much little theology here today coming in, but I want you to get this. See, see there's, there's three qualities or characteristics that God alone has. Only God. There are three. Only God. He is omnipotent. Omni means all. God has all power. How many are thankful for that? That means no one is more powerful than our God. Omnipotent. Satan has power, but not the power of God. Men have power, but not the power of God. He has, he's all powerful. Omnipotent. Another quality that only God possesses is that he is omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. Everything there is to know. God is omniscient. No one else has the qualities of omnipotence and omniscience but Almighty God. But the third quality that he has, I'm helping us understand this resident God and realizing who's living inside of us today and how God wants to use us. So this omnipotent God lives within you. This omniscient God lives within you. And this omnipotent present God lives within you. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere present. But often people are unaware of that. They miss seeing him 
and knowing who he is. He's God. He, 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 is, he is all these things that he alone can, can be. And there is none like him. Can you say amen to that? There is none like him. There is none on his level. Anybody with me? There's no one like him. There's none equal to him. And there's none who are superior to him. We just sang it this morning. I love it. He has no what? Rival. And he has no equal. Oh, come on. Let's say it again. Even if you don't want to hear it, I want the devil to hear it. You ready? Come on. He has no rival. And he has no equal. Let's do it one more time. He has no rival. And he has no equal. See, he's God. There is no God like him. He, he's present. He's resident. He, he's, he's reachable. But you see, this world we're living in hasn't comprehended that. When he, he's so mighty. I, I, I need to, well, let me just, let me, let's think about this for a minute. When he created the universe, when, when, when go ahead and find Hebrews 11.3. Look at this for a moment. I, I want us to grasp the greatness of the God living in us today, okay? When, when God created the universe, are you ready for this? He neither asked for nor required assistance from anyone. Are you with me? When God was ready to create the universe, he had no assistance. He needed no help he, from anyone. Hebrews 11.3 says it like this. Are you ready? How do we understand this? By what? Faith, we, come on, understand that what? The universe the universe. Uh, th this is a plural word in the Greek language of Hebrews 11.3. And literally, some translation says the worlds, the planets, the universe, everything that exists, everything that's there. Okay, come on. So look at this. By faith, we understand that the universe was what? Formed how? At God's command. So that what, look at this, so that what is seen, where did it come from? Was not made from what is visible. What does that mean? <laughs> we're, we're talking about territory that only God operates in. Are, are you with me? This, this God. So, so when he was ready for his masterpiece of creation, he did not ask for anyone's assistance. Nor did he even begin with the, the, the matter or the molecules of what may have been existing at that time. See, he, God was not intimidated or limited by the void of nothingness that was there. Everybody with me? He, li listen, I, I've got to step on some stuff here, but stay with me. He did not need the slime from a primordial swamp to get it done. He did not require the energy from a random big bang to get it started. Anybody with me? He did not need the millennials of time required to explain the snail's pace of a slowly expanding evolution. When God was ready to create the universe, anybody with me? He simply reached inside himself and drew on that which no one had ever seen. And as he began to do what? Keep that up there. Began to speak at God's command. Oh, at God's command. He began to speak and what happened? Order and creation and life began to unfurl. The atoms and the molecules that came from the breath of God exploded across the canvas of nothing and planets and worlds and the universe began to come into existence. Listen, when he did that, he stood alone. 
He stood above. He came before. And from nothing we could see came everything that we can see today. That's God. Do you understand who he is? The greatness of our God. The greatness of our God. And I, I took some time to try to share that with you because I want to then bring it back to what I'm saying. And it is that God. That God that lives in every one of us in this place today. This God who can just speak and the universe comes into existence. This God who just speaks and you don't have to worry how's it going to happen if God makes you a promise. He doesn't need anybody to help him fulfill the promise. He reaches inside himself and draws from resources only God has. And if it's not there, God can create it. He's still the creative God. And if the organs in your body have ceased to function, God can breathe like he did when he spoke in creation and put a new organ inside your body. God is God. He's able. He's creative. He can make a way out of no way. He walks up to the Red Sea and everybody thinks you're going to drown and he makes a highway. I, 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 there's so much. But I want you to understand he's God and he lives in you. He lives in you. Are you do we understand who resides in us? So we need to become aware of that. This great God who's chosen to live in us, to reside in us. Why? Because through us, he wants to reveal himself to this world around us. Sometimes I think we forget who's living in us. Sometimes I think we forget this incredible privilege we have, that God will reveal himself to an unknowing, an unrecognizing, even an unbelieving world by the way that he works through every one of us. Look at Matthew 6 and verse 10. We've read this often, Matthew 6, 10. The disciples were beginning to watch Jesus' lifestyle. Stay with me, guys. And they're beginning to watch him. And they were beginning to see him heal the sick and raise the dead and walk on water and feed multitudes from, from, from meager amounts of food. And, and they watched him. And the Bible says it was his custom to get up early in the morning and pray. And it was his custom sometimes to pray all night. And it was his custom to find a place away from the crowd and, and, and find his father. And so the disciples watching his lifestyle said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? We don't know how to pray like you pray. We, we, we don't know how. We're, we're, we're looking at you. Come on. And we're, think of this. We're seeing God revealed. We're, we're seeing God in you. They struggled understanding was he God. Sometimes they got it. Sometimes they didn't. But here's what they knew. You're, you, we see God in you. And we think the connection, I want you to get this, is how you pray. Now, church family, listen. He came limited in every way, just like you and I. Do we understand that? He didn't do what he did as God. He did what he did as God, limited by man. And everything Jesus did as he walked on this planet, all the miracles you read about, all the great things, he did limited to our human flesh. And so they said, we think the connection between heaven and earth is your prayer life. We think the factor that causes God to become real is your prayer life. So would you teach us how to pray? And the first thing he told them, well, first you start like, Every time you approach God, the verse before this says, Our Father which art in heaven, what does it say? Hallowed be. We praise your name. God, we come to you, the source, and we praise you. And the first thing he said you pray, that is the foundation of everything we pray and why we pray, and what it means to have a God living in us is this. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he said, what you need to pray is that everything God is in heaven, everything God willed in heaven, everything God is, all that he plans and all that he does, I want you to begin to pray and understand that the way I do what I do and the reason I do what I do is because through my life, heaven's coming on this earth. God's will is coming on this earth. God's plan is coming on this earth. And what you're understanding is this mighty God is not hiding behind a veil or running away from you or making you jump through the hoop. He's doing everything he can to get as close to you as possible, to be as real as possible. So you'll understand he's for you not against you pray let heaven come let the rule and authority of the kingdom of God come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven so that's the prayer that's the plan so so God is is revealing himself and and church family now through you through you through me through our children through our students through you, through me, God wants to reveal himself to this world. This God residing in us. This God dwelling in us. Oh, you say, well, pastor, I, I, I don't think I'm worthy. That's why the cross was a reality. Are you with me? Pastor, I don't think I'm good enough. That's why he died on the cross. Pastor, I don't think I deserve it. I have some good news and bad news. You're never going to deserve it. That's the bad news. And the good news is Jesus already paid the price for our undeserving position. And so instead of debating, can God really live in me? Can God really use me? Is God really for me? Why don't we just take him at his word and by faith pray, oh God, I don't know how you do it, that's your part. But would your kingdom come? And would your will be done? And would you, as you reside in me, would heaven flow through me? And God flow through me? And life flow through me? And your will flow through me? And could we as your church be an opening for heaven to come to earth? And could we as your church be a point where unbelieving, agnostic, atheistic, suspicious, or wounded, or hurting, or searching people... Find the God who is for them and who is real. See, this world is not always aware that our God is omnipresent. Your, your, your neighbor isn't aware of that. They're, they're, they're spiritually dormant. They haven't been born again. They don't know who he is. But, but even those people in that same position as they saw Jesus, remember Nicodemus, a religious leader but not a man born again, came to him and said, we don't know who you are. We don't really get it. And most of my colleagues think you're from the devil. But he said, I've been watching you. <laughs> and I'm sneaking over here at night because my reputation's at stake. Hey, you know what? L let me say this and I'll go on. Hey, wouldn't you love to see the kingdom come so powerfully that instead of men sneaking around at night to their girlfriend's house, they start sneaking around at night to get to Jesus? Come on. <laughs> Come on, don't look at me like that. I mean, what if all the sneaking got flipped 180, huh? Instead of the slipping around, you know, so nobody will see me, you start saying, you know, you know I'm starting, I, I can't wait. Like, I want to see the guy, not just the local crack addict. I, I want to see, I want to see the cartel guy. 
See, I want to see the cartel guy. He, he, he can't tell all his buddies what he's about to do. You understand? But he's slipping over at night to that missionary we sent down to Mexico. And what, what's the guy in jail right now? El Chapo. So, El, oh, El Chapo, you know, or Chapo, whatever his name is. I don't know who Jesus knows. So, so and, and instead of him slipping around in the tunnels from here to there, he said, dig one over to that little uh, Assembly God missionary church. See, I can't let my buddies know where I'm going. But tonight, I'm sneaking over to church. And I don't know who you are, Jesus, and I don't really understand all this, but, but nobody could do what you do over at this place unless God showed up. And if God is real, I need some of that. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? See, this world, it, it, it says, I don't know him, I don't feel him, I don't see. But you are the place God resides. He begins to go. See, see, I, 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 you know, I, I love it. I love it. You know, our children go to school. You can, and they say, you know, you've heard my comment. You can't pray in school. Well, you can't stop people from praying in school. Just because somebody didn't get on the intercom and lead it doesn't mean they're not praying in school. They pray in school every day. People say you can't preach the gospel in, in, in a communist country. They got underground churches. So be, you can't stop God. But the point is this. How do the people that don't know him begin to encounter him? Because when the kingdom comes, and how does the kingdom come? Through you. Through you. Something begins to change. The scenario begins to flip. God, God, God walks into the places where you walk. Oh, I, I, you know, listen, when you walk in, the, when, think of this. I'm not calling you God. But when you walk into work tomorrow morning, God just walked in. You understand that? When our kids go to school tomorrow morning, Jesus walked in that school. God walks in that school. I know some of you come, you're, you're the only believer in your family, and when you go back home today, I know you feel by yourself, but come on, God walked in your house. God walked in your house. I, I, I know there may be some devils in there too, but God walked in the house. God walked in the house. Do you understand that? And, 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 and He is present. And He's omnipresent. He's always present. But people aren't aware of him until the person whom he resides in begins to reveal him. So, so, so pastor, let's think about this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if heaven comes to earth, we're praying this, what is that? how are we going to know that? What, what is it going to be like? What, what is it like in heaven? So we're praying, oh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. So, so what is heaven like? What is the distinguishing quality of heaven? And, and if that happened, we would know it's coming to earth. What would that be? It's not just angels flying around, streets of gold, mansions. What would it be? It's the king of the kingdom. It's the one seated on the throne. It's the presence of God. So the distinguishing quality of heaven is what? The presence of God. Everything radiates around the presence of God. The, the, you know, the angels what cry what? Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. The elders fall down all the time, 24-7, crying out, holy is God. The cherubim worship Him. The distinguishing quality of heaven is what? The presence of God. So if heaven comes to this earth, what does that mean? The presence of God comes through the resident God of the people that are here. So the reason I say God walks into school or work or home with you, it's the presence of God comes in. The presence of God comes in. How do we know heaven came? Well, the king of heaven came. What is heaven like? The presence of God. 
What happens when the kingdom of God comes to this earth? What happens? The presence of God comes to this earth. Are you with me? So, so, so what happens when the presence of God comes to this earth? Well, the atmosphere of heaven has walked on the planet. Are you with me? I, I love Bill Johnson says that. Bill Johnson says about the presence of God. He says the presence of God creates the atmosphere like a greenhouse where everything you want to grow starts growing. Okay, so watch this. So what if there are enough of us resident God folks that begin to invade the culture? Everybody with me? Instead of us worrying about this big bad world and who's a president and who doesn't like me and who, who, who defriended me on my Facebook and who sent me this and who did that and who's not my color and who's not my name and who's not my family, who cheers for Alabama or who cheers for Auburn. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Sorry. But what I care about is this. Is that what enough of us folks with the God of the universe residing in us begin to carry his presence into the culture and an atmosphere of heaven begins to pervade the atmosphere of earth and the things of heaven start growing in the atmosphere of the earth because heaven came. Is anybody with me right now? And so you don't have to go in and demand it or make a law to force it or create. Are everybody with me right now? No, I'm going to vote. I'm going to pay attention. I'm in a process. Listen, if you don't vote, you shouldn't complain. If you don't care enough to get up off your blessed assurance and go vote because you've prayed and sought the will of God, then don't, you don't have a dog in the fight. If it's a bad government, you didn't vote, that's on you. Okay, now I'm finished with that. Now listen to this. So what happens? Heaven is what? Presence of God. And, and so, so what happens in the presence of God? Let's talk about heaven for a minute. Are there any sick people in heaven? Huh? No sick people in heaven? Does anybody die in heaven? No. Anybody commit crime in heaven? Any policemen in heaven? Because they're unemployed. They're going to have to do something else. Guess what else is not in heaven? No preachers. I've got to find me another job. I'll be glad just to be an usher. Huh? I'll, just sw- I'll be a street sweeper. Give me a street go. How you doing, Pastor? All's well. Huh? Whatever I get up there, I'm just, if I get in, I'm good. You with me? I don't need a title. I don't need a job. I won't be preaching. I'm going to preach till the day I die because when I get to heaven, I won't need, I won't, I'm, I'm unemployed. I'm going to be unemployed someday. I know that. But not on this planet. I <laughs> say, so, yeah, someday I'm going to be unemployed because they won't need me. Not there. Heaven. Heaven. So, so are there tears in heaven? No. No crime in heaven. No abuse in heaven. No neglect in heaven. Okay. So, so why is that? Why is that? Presence of God. The presence of God. In the presence of God, there's such grace and strength and wholeness and healing that those things just can't live there, right? They don't even come in. And so what happens? That kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how does that happen on earth? The presence of God comes to earth. The quality of heaven comes to earth. And how does the presence of God come to earth? Through the people of God on this earth. And so if we allow his presence. So, so here's the deal. Here's what happened. We need a kingdom culture, not a church culture. Everybody with me? Because see, some people don't serve God till they go to church. So all the atmosphere of heaven is only in church. And they wonder why it's so bad everywhere else. But if we could start having a kingdom call mindset instead of a church mindset. See, how many times you hear people say, oh, you shouldn't say that in church. Well, if you shouldn't say it here, you shouldn't say it anywhere. What in the world is that? We're not, a, we're not a building people. We're a kingdom people. Is he only king in here and not king out there? 
It's a, am I living a double life? Am I a hypocrite? Am I a fake? Do I live one way on Sunday, another way on Monday? But see, if the kingdom comes, got me, and the presence come, and we live for him with a kingdom mentality, not a church mentality, then our mentality is not, oh, God, oh, God. Please get them to church. Oh, God. No, the whole, you know what God is, he's going, oh, church, oh, church. Go get them, church. Go get them, church. Oh, church. And we're down here. Oh, God, bring them in the building. Oh, God, bring them in the building. And God's praying, oh, church, go get them out there. Oh, church. Do you, you understand that? Kingdom mentality goes. Church mentality hides. God is roaring for you and I to pull the veil back, <laughs> to let him out of the hidden place, to bring him into the marketplace, into the home, into the school. Let the presence come. Let the presence come. What happens when the presence comes? Then the atmosphere of heaven begins to invade the earth. See, we have the privilege of carrying his presence into this world. And you know what you're carrying? The very thing that every person who doesn't know Jesus is desperately searching for. What are they searching for? The hope, the grace, the help, the peace, the healing, the strength, the goodness of God to come invade their life. Guys, listen, I, 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 can't, I can't give you all the answers as to why we don't see more of heaven on earth. I don't know why everyone isn't healed. I don't know why every miracle doesn't happen we pray for. But I know this. God is able to do it. God is big enough to do it. God is mighty enough to do it. God's near enough to do it. And so I'm just going to keep working on earth's side on this. Anybody with me? I'm going to stop pointing fingers at heaven's side and debating. I'm not going to let what I don't understand rob me of what I do understand. So I know that in heaven it's good and it's well and it's healed and it's grace and it's kindness. And so, so I'm just going to keep saying, God, let your presence come. Let your will be done on earth. As, are you with me? Let your will be done on earth. Let's carry this thing. See, we must understand how this works. Is anybody still with me on this right now? And, and, and see, here, here's the great thing. Go to Matthew 10, verse 32. Matthew 10, 32. I, I want you to see this. Here's the attitude. Here's the attitude. Matthew chapter 10. The disciples tripped up over this, got confused on this. A lot of people nowadays, I think, kind of struggle with this. Uh, and, and, and you know what? I think I said Matthew, this Mark chapter 10. Mark 10. Go there with me. Mark 10. Listen, listen, listen. So think of this. This great and awesome God. Omnipotent. All the power of the universe. Omniscient. Knowing everything. Omnipresent. This God who is above all and has no equal, no rival. Yet he lives in us. So how does that look? How do we live? Are we arrogant, so-and-sos, holier-than-thou, judgmental, critical? I don't want to touch a sinner. I don't want my life to be stained by this. Do we hide off in communes? Do we pull ourselves away from those who need us the most? Do we suddenly act like the grace of God which we did not earn but Jesus gave us somehow makes us better than somebody else? 
do we somehow begin to think we are some elite, untouchable group of people that, that, that don't have a responsibility here except to just hide out in a prayer meeting and wait till Jesus comes back? What do we do with this great God who resides in us, who is desperately wanting to bring heaven to earth, who is praying that his children... The Bible says Jesus is interceding all the time for us. That, that, that we will carry his presence so that the distinguishing quality of heaven will come to this earth in a greater and greater dimension. Greater dimension. So what does that look like? Look, look at this. I, I remember the first time I realized, you know, sometimes you read the Bible in, in clips instead of look at the whole context. Watch this. Look at this. They're on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished. Jesus did a lot of things that astonished people. Come on. Okay. Look, while those who followed were afraid, again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Let's keep reading. Look at this. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death. So he says, I want you to understand, I'm about to be crucified. Are you with me? I want you to get the moment. This is what he's telling. So let's keep hand him over to the Gentiles. Next verse. So watch this. They'll mock him. They'll spit on him. Flog him. Kill him. Three days later, he'll rise. Let's keep going. Then James and John. Look at then. What did he just say? I'm about to be killed, and it's not going to be pretty. And they're going to mock me and flog me and beat me and crucify me. It's going to be bad. Everybody with me? And then what happens? Immediately, James and John. The sons of Zebedee came to him, teacher, we, wanted, uh, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Whoop. Cross right over their head. Well, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Can you believe the audacity? I'm going to die. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to shed my blood. It's going to be terrible. Okay, so look, which is what we want? Little spoiled children. You're going to die. Okay. Whoop. He's going to die. No, no, no. We want to sit on your right and left hand. Come on. Give us whatever we want, Jesus. Let's keep going. He said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with baptism? I'm going to be baptized with. Keep going. They answered, oh, uh, you will drink the cup. Keep going. We can, they answered. So he said, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Keep going. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Nobody feels bad for Jesus. James and John want to get promoted. Jesus said, did you hear me? I'm about to die. And the other ten, what did they ask you? Well, what is wrong with them? Good night. Do you think, come on, do you think that sometimes, I'm not through these verses, just leave them up. Do you think that sometimes... You and I, walking around on this planet with a God of omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence living in us, act like that? Do you think sometimes we forget who we are? Do you think sometimes you and I who carry God forget who we carry? 
Forget the presence that could be here. Forget who he is and why we're here and what's going on. And the glory of heaven is bottled up inside of people that are grabbing for position now and the next five minutes and the next hour. And and somebody's mean to us and we get mad because they got our place. I mean, listen, there's some people. Come on, look, look at this. You walk in work with the glory of God in you. And you could bring a revival, but we're not going to bring revival because we're mad that somebody parked in our place. I'm not going to talk about Jesus today because I should have got that promotion. Why is that knucklehead over there? I was the one that had the idea in our group brainstorming session and she got credit for it. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So what do we do with the presence of God? What do we do with the creator of the universe who lives in us? We serve. We serve. We serve. We, come on, we speak the language of those that Jesus died for. What does that mean, Pastor? I remember as a youth pastor back in the days of Abraham Lincoln, when I, no, I was not that old, but I, when, I remember when I was a youth pastor and we started having these kids get saved all over this town. We're having a, a major revival. It was amazing. And all these kids wanted to come to the church. Where I was a youth pastor. And their parents went to all these other churches. And they, they didn't like these kids. You know, it, it's kind of weird. You know, the kids that the kids never want to go to church. And now they want to go to church and they're mad because they want them to go to a different church. And, and particularly the unsaved parents didn't get these kids. Man, they were on fire. So this is what I told them. I said, here's what I want you to do. They, they'd come and tell me, my dad doesn't understand. My mother doesn't understand. They don't know why I'm excited. They don't know why I want to come to, 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 these, to these things we're doing for youth. I said, listen, here's what you do. You got to speak their language. They said, what do you mean? I said, the first thing you start saying, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, to them. The next thing you will, tomorrow I want you to go wash your dad's car. Do what? Yeah. And when you get through with that, I want you to go mow the grass before he asks you to. And then I want you to go to your mom and say, can I help you do something? Say, what are you talking about, Pastor? We're talking about a revival. I said, so am I. But what happens, see, they don't understand yet omniscience, omnipotent, and omnipresence. And that person hanging on to pay one more bill and get through the month, and they this single mom with two and a half jobs and three children and no husband, she doesn't really care if you're reading out of the King James translation or the NIV or the, or the Passion translation. She wants to know, how am I going to breathe tomorrow? How am I going to pay one more bill? How am I going to get through one more day? That family crying in the intensive care unit waiting room doesn't really care where you go to church or how many times, but what they need to know is there is a God who is so real and close and cares and loves, and we do that by serving them, serving them. Whoever wants to be first, you become the slave, the servant. We carry God as a gift and an honor. Anybody with me? Look at Acts 10.38. Let me, let me show you. See, we got to speak the language. 
We need to speak the language. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. It doesn't matter. I love this. How God anointed. Look, see, we only think, come on, man, we're spirit-filled Christians. We raise our hands when we worship at Calvary. And, you know, there's some people in our church, you know, they're so spiritual, they do this, they dance and say, I mean, you ought to see, man, I'm telling you, right? We're anointed. Okay. To do what? Look at this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And what did he do when he was anointed with power? Went around doing good. Oh. You mean you can be anointed to serve? You better believe it. That, that's what comes first. He went around doing good. Jesus. He didn't walk in town and say, hey. God's here. Clear the table. Give me the best seat. You know who's here? Sometimes. Man, I'm going to tell you, pastors are the worst. And I've seen some pastors, those dudes, they could strut sitting down in a chair. I'm just telling you. My, my God. Strut sitting in a chair. Serve me this. Do me that. Give me this. Put me there. Look at Jesus. He just went around doing good. Went around doing good. Went around doing good. He didn't ask for anything. He said, I came to serve. I came to seek and save that which is lost. I came to do this for you. I came to serve. Are you with me? And then, oh, see, I love this. Because you could stop there. Went around doing good. Now, you wouldn't be anointed with the Holy Spirit's power. But you could go around doing good and be an atheist. Right? But if you're anointed by the Holy Spirit and you're doing good, you're at another level. Because then you get to do this. And healing all who are under the power of the devil. See, that's the church. That's the resident God. How did that little eight-year-old pray that little three-sentence prayer and God healed cancer? Well, because God was with them. Because the kingdom came. The will was done. I got to hurry. I need to stop. I, we'll have to pick some more. Let's go to Galatians 5 real quick. I have a lot more, but I want to end with this. Look, look at this. Look at this. Come on. It's time to go. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Now, now, now listen. <laughs> you got to get this. I want to pick up the same place next week. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance. That means long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now, come on. That's the fruit. Not, notice, it doesn't say fruits. Fruit. Some people, okay, thank you, I left out too. Gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law. Come on, let's go back and hit it again together. Back up to 22, thank you. What is the fruit of the Spirit? See, some people want to pick and choose. Well, I don't have kindness, but I have joy. <laughs> this isn't an option. This, you understand what I'm saying? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I, I may not have a lot of patience, but I'm, I, I really have peace. <laughs> Listen, honey, it's a package. Not fruits. Fruit. Joy, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So watch this. The resident God who lives in us. Do you know how he shows himself? Do you know how he shows himself? 
Do you know how we serve? Do you know how atheists and agnostics and bitter, angry people and backslidden Christians are reminded or made aware of that he's not the God hiding behind the veil or even the God who came and walked with us, but the God who wants to live in us? Come on, go back to verse 22. How does that come out of you and I? When there is love operating in our life, joy operating in our life, peace operating in our life, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, what else? Gentleness and self-control. And, and you know what? Uh, look at this. Against such things, there's no law. You know what happens? You begin to live like that in front of people, and the devil just lost his gig. It's all over with. You understand there's nothing you can do with that. There's no fight against it. There's no argument. There's nothing you can do. Why? Because God did that through us. Do you understand? There are people that you can't love, but God can love them through you. There are people that you don't want to be nice to, but God wants to be nice to them. There are sins that you think you can't stop, but you have self-control because the Spirit of God is living in your life. And that person that pushes your button every day, all day long, and you usually say, well, I, I, I'm a Christian and I may have peace, but I'm going to knock them out if they do that one more time. Self-control against such things. There's no law. The resident God reaching through us to an unaware world that he's real and he's mighty. And then he follows it up with healing those who run the power of the devil, jerking them out of the hands of the enemy, saving their life, freeing them from addiction, Doing what only God can do. Come on, let's stand together. I want to pray. Don't, don't leave. Let's stand. Let's pray. Come on, musicians, join me. Can you see this thing? This God <laughs> who just spoke and the universe exploded lives in us, lives in us, reaches through us, serves through us, loves through us. We don't demand anything. We give everything. We serve. We love. We care. We bless. We feed. We're doing everything. I can't wait to show you. It's under construction. The picture's coming. You remember through Kingdom Builders, we authorized, we funded through your giving the building of a kitchen in a remote area of Africa. You know, little boys and girls that aren't getting food. And you understand, we drove, Phyllis and I drove out, man, it was three hours. And, and they called it the African massage. You don't want one. They call that when you're bumping in the four-wheel drive and there's no asphalt. They said, Pastor, this, we call this African massage. I said, well, can I pass on the way back? But that, you got to go back to where you came. We went in five villages, five villages that had never had a Caucasian pastor walk into the village. Five one day never in the history of those places ever and they sang and they danced and they wept you know why they they didn't know who I was and they don't know who I am today and that's all right but you know why they were singing and dancing and weeping because I represented hope to them the God who they had prayed to and cried to 
and, 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 and trusted a missionary to tell them he's the real God. And he knows who you are and he cares about you. And then here comes this white boy walking in. And they said, there must be a God. <laughs> because it reminded them that he cared about them so much that he reached over around a continent and over an ocean and touched the heart of a great people who loved God so much that they gave, that they served, that it mattered. You understand? And sometimes feeding that little child will tear down a wall that George Sawyer's preaching could never do. But we loved them. We gave to them. We sacrificed for them. You sacrifice. You could take kingdom builder money and do other things. I know that. But I want to tell you something. It's just a picture of the resident God in your life who's reaching out to a world. There are a thousand ways. Tomorrow when you're kind, when you love, when you serve, when you give. And it doesn't start at work. Come on, it starts where? In your home. And if the presence of God is going to come, because that's what it means, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that has to start in me as an individual, doesn't it? Isn't that where it starts? With me. So today, right now, could we pray, oh God, let your kingdom come. Right here. Come on. You got me? Let your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. You know, when I get to heaven... There's a term in the Bible It's called glorified. We're going to be glorified. That doesn't just mean I'm going to fly around like an angel. It means that, you're ready to, you know what it means to be glorified? My sinful, carnal, stinking nature ah, is gone forever. Woo! I don't know about you. I'm not going to be any up there. I'll take a shack in heaven. To be without this carnal nature and to see the glory of God, you can take the rest of it. I don't care. <laughs> I got what I want. You know, so, so if I'm going to be like that there, can we start getting some downloads now? <laughs> you with me?